This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by rock sponsor Subsplash. Subsplash is a technology company that provides software solutions for churches and nonprofit organizations. Connect with Subsplash today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome back for another edition of Rockcast. This is the podcast where you get to hear all about what's happening at Spark Development Network and what's moving forward with Rock. I'm Emily Foreman. I have John Edmiston and Nick Erdo here with me today, and we are ready to tell you what's going on. Now, we're always starting with our version update because that's a good spot to understand the status of what we've been working on and what's available to you. And there has been a flurry of activity on that front lately, Nick. This is going to take a while. Yeah, we it's been something we've been working on for a little while, and uh, it finally you know, came to its conclusion, which is just great to finally be done with it. But it was a, a flurry of, of releases, four in total. We And it was due to our uh, annual security review, and we added some fixes there. So we went as far back as the version before the last general release. So general release is version 12. Mm-hmm. So we went all the way back to version 11.5. So we patched version 11. So mm-hmm. if you're on version 11, go to 11.5. But really, you should be on version 12. So we also patched version 12, so there's a 12.9 release. And we had many, many bug fixes and things that were uh, fixed also um, in 13.7. Okay. So 13.7 also is secure. It's got all the latest fixes in there and all these new bug fixes as well. And then we had been rolling all those fixes into 14.0, Along with all the big features that are in 14.0. So 14.0 is also secure and stable. And that finally came out of beta on Tuesday or Wednesday. It was a a day late because at the last minute we found one more uh, thing. Like one of our beta testers. Can I say their name? LCBC. (laughs) (laughs) I just did. Uh, They found a a check-in iPad issue. And we were able to, like, in the 11th hour, 59th minute, fix that and get that into 14.0. So you you mentioned, too, the yearly security process. What is that? Well, we, we hire a penetration tester who comes in and looks at Rock, kind of understands how, how it works. Um, we try and get them into the mindset of like the overall platform and the strategy of it. And then they look for like errors and flaws and they look in the code. They try to penetrate. They try to hack in. Uh, they do things that you want a good person to do and not a bad person. So they are simulating, but they, and they know the, the tricks of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they do all day. That's what we hire them for. Yeah. And you know, it's always surprising when, when, um, when they, it's eye opening for us too because we. I feel like we know quite a bit about mm-hmm. these tricks too. But there's always something new you learn every year. Yeah, and so this year we have a new organization doing it. I think we kind of, you know, have leveled up uh, on that. And you know, the it's a very expensive process, and you know, because these are highly skilled people. These are not you know just someone off the street who just came out of college maybe with that kind of degree. These are mm-hmm. very experienced people. Um, and so, you know, you pay for that, but it's really important. So it's not necessarily a, a invoice you love to sign, but it's one that you need to sign. And, uh, 
you know, it's good to feel rest assured that not only are we doing our best, but mm-hmm. we have some, we have a, a third set of eyes mm-hmm. who's, you know, being very aggressive in terms of how they're uh, looking at this. Yeah. And it, it's aggressive, which is great. It's stressful for us, which is good because, you know, we, we have to, we're your advocates. Like we're looking out for you guys, but when, when these releases come out and the security, the, like, I forget how it's termed, the, the latest secured version, mm-hmm. which is now 11.5, 12.9, 13.7, or 14.0, like, you need to go to those versions. Like, it's the, the cards are in your hands at that point. If you don't upgrade, you know, we can't make you upgrade. Mm-hmm. Of course, just like any platform, you should always upgrade to the latest secured version. And, and there will always be security fixes and patches for any organization that builds software that that is concerned with that that's a feature for us so we're always paying attention to what the latest is and and that's why we invest in it um and so that helps build that confidence and nick you said there's stress on our team and i think the way i look at that is what what we're really talking about is there's attention right like so andy stanley's tension to be managed and it's good because that tension of pushing into innovation making sure everything's secure that's where we are just making sure that we're bringing excellence to the table that has the background for trust and confidence. And that's why you're a good coach to me. <laughs> I, I like to wear everything as stress, like all the things coming in, like it's, but the way you said it is correct. Yeah. When I was talking to a friend, he, or at the time he was the CIO of a fairly large government, state government um, organization. He was like, yeah, my advisory board was asking me the other day, like, whatever we need to spend to make our systems like, mm-hmm. you know, completely unhackable. And we were just kind of <laughs> laughing and like, well, you know, you can start by unplugging the server. That's and, right. And, powering them down. and even then you'd probably need to make sure there's no like, you know, battery inside the BIOS with a wireless connection to something, you know, it's like even today that's not enough to, to simply unplug it um, because that's the nature of technology. Right. So just make sure you're spending time, focus and an investment of funding mm-hmm. on that. And, um, and doing it with a really uh, skilled company with the expertise in the right spots. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy now that, you know, we've leveled up, but not mm-hmm. only have we leveled up, but we found someone that we can partner with year mm-hmm. after year who can take the learnings from last year about rock and how it works mm-hmm. and they can bring it forward every year. And, and so there'll be less training on our side, um, yeah. at least on the stuff we've already covered. And they'll just get better and better. Mm-hmm. So... Great. Well, that was a lot of information about a lot of activity. And for sure, our development team and our testing teams in the community have been very, very busy. So a big thank you to them, too, because we have been um, coming back quickly and they've been responding, right? So you mentioned a church that had put in a, um, a bug report right at the last minute, and we're happy to be able to be so responsive. But there have been many other churches that have been providing a lot of input that's been really valuable to to working out all the little details of new releases. So that's super valuable. And that's not all that's going on, right? So that's the, maybe the part that the community is seeing, but there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes and prepping the things before they become releases or, or uh, versions that people can update to John, what are some of the things we've been working on in preparation for the next big features? Yeah. So two large topics to talk about. One is the, the content library. We talked about that at, at RX. If you haven't, heard about that, go watch the, the, uh, state of rock session, which is freely available to anybody. Um, but that's a feature we're looking at in an upcoming release and that in, in a 
you know, 100,000 foot level is a way that someone inside their rock instance can say, hey, I have this great content on maybe felt needs or mm-hmm. depression, addiction, prayer. And it's reusable. So the, the goal is, the vision is to push a button and they can share that up to a library in the cloud, you know, in the Spark cloud of content that someone else can go into their rock instance, look at the library and bring it down into their content channel and then share it onto their site. And so the interesting thing is there's multiple facets of how, of what we need to look at. So there's a, you know, there's a, a community aspect to that. Like who's got this content? You know, we have to precede it with a lot of content because mm-hmm. a library with no, no books is not super helpful. It might be pretty to look at, but there's not a lot of value. So we're pre going out talking to people who have some content and how do we get this into the, to, to the, to the library we're also having to figure out the taxonomy of the library. Like, how does this thing even work? You know, what kind of, of, of reviews do we need to do? How do you create a taxonomy of, you know, topical taxonomy for the, for this so that that can come into your instance already pre-formatted and, um, and, you know, so there's that piece. There's the technology, like, well, what APIs do we need and how's that going to work? And how do we going to know who did what to, you know, who owns this? Like there's, um, then there's like strategies in terms of, well, what can I do with this? Like, is what, what's the attribution? Um, is there any attribution? I mean, the best is no attribution, like just do whatever you want. But we know sometimes that there perhaps needs to be some attribution. There can be different attribution levels like it. Well, the author would like to be you know, mm. ad- attributed like the volunteer who wrote it at church a would like that church would like to keep that name on it in church B. And that's probably not a, a big deal, but, but then there might be a church attribution. So maybe some churches would say, well, we'd like to keep, you know, written by X, Y, Z church. Mm-hmm. And some churches are like, yeah, d- we don't really care. Just, you know, let's get the content out. And I think the final facet is just understanding you know, what does this mean um, from an SEO perspective? And, you know, I think there's a, you know, researching it a lot. Like this is, and this is something we've been researching for like a couple of years. There are some, you know, blanket statements that you could say, well, you know, you don't repeat content, like that'll hurt the algorithm. And actually the, the truth is it doesn't. Like if you, you can, there's lots of articles from Google and there's even a video from the, one of the lead guys who helps define the algorithm that duplicate content does not hurt the the um, SEO, but it can make it confusing as to which which version of that content gets put into the search results. And so this this goes back to strategy. It's like, okay, what's the strategy of this content? Mm-hmm. So the strategy from your from your church's perspective is, hey, we want to write this content because it drives our SEO and it brings people to our site, yeah, then you probably don't want to share it because you could, it could end up driving traffic to a different site. But I think in most places, cases, this is the truth. Like we don't, that, that, that content isn't the primary means of driving SEO. If our goal is to get this content into as many eyeballs on the planet as possible, then it doesn't really matter what site they land on. In fact, we hope that the Google algorithm would, would somehow take region into consideration and perhaps give them something in their area. And so, 
so if you write an article on like prayer and your goal is to get as many people to read that article and 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 be impacted by that article as possible, content library 100% is mm-hmm. the best thing for the big C church. If that prayer article is meant to drive traffic to your specific site, then that may not be an article you, you want to share. Um, but in most of the cases that we've been talking to, to churches, they're like, oh no, like we, we write these articles to impact as many people as possible. So in which case this tool is a force multiplier to that. Um, there may be a case where someone has like a microsite that they're writing some content on divorce or something like that. Cause they want to be in their community seen as, you know, that's a, an outreach mm-hmm. to bringing people to their church. Well, then that might be some content that doesn't get shared. But I think in the vast majority of the cases, like hopefully at least 80% of the, or higher, much higher, you know, the, the goal is like, hey, let's, let's help as many people as possible. And so we're going through all levels of that. Like, so when we say that, you know, there, there's some feedback was like, oh, well, I think you're going to have some issues around this, this, and this. And, and we were not blind to that. Like, we, mm-hmm. we get that. We we don't have time on the keynote stage to talk about all the details. Like, we'd get glassy-eyed looks. <laughs> um, but that's the stuff that, you know, we're working through. And a lot of it is education and making sure that we do have, you know, we can show articles that sh- that say duplicate content is not a, a bad thing necessarily. Um, so kind of working through all that. Mm-hmm. So we're working on the strategy of that right now. Are we working on with any actual content pieces? Uh, yeah, there's some churches that we're working on getting that, you know, they're opening up kind of their content vault mm-hmm. and um, we're kind of going through that. If you, and again, if you have a lot of content and you want to be a part of that, like just reach out to me in rocket chat and I can get you linked in. Um, we just need to make sure it, it ships with, you know, content mm-hmm. available. And there's a lot of other details like, okay, well, what about images? Like, how do we bring the images in? If we bring the images in, do we need to, do do they need to be a standard size and shape or, and so we're working through all that, trying to, that's the kind of stuff I still feel like we are trying to define. We know that's a problem. We've Mm -hmm. identified the problem. (laughs) Don't have all the answers quite yet, but oftentimes it's working through real data that Mm -hmm. you start to understand. Another thing that we kind of see too, sometimes there's just a little bit of an end paragraph to an article that would say something like, and you know, if, if you're interested in more in prayer, like check out our website and, and we want to kind of, especially with these initial launch people, we want to come a, aside, come alongside them and, and be able to, to take that last paragraph out for them so that mm-hmm. they don't have to do all the work that said, we don't have a lot of extra resources on our side, but this, but this also is an opportunity. I think long-term we can make this a community volunteer project and we can go through all the articles that, have been pushed in and as soon as you push an article into the to the spark cloud it's not like it's immediately available to everybody like there's got to be like a Mm -hmm. a a slight cleanup process right because we're talking about shared taxonomy we're talking about certain standardizations that just make it easy for a church to access and utilize that content yeah and even though the weird things that people wouldn't think of is like okay well how what format is the content because the format of the future Mm -hmm is structured content. So, but it's unlikely that most of these articles were written in structured content. It was, it's probably more what's wig like HTML. So there's probably going to be a need to convert it because if it's in structured content, you can always get the HTML, but if it's in HTML, you can't get the structured content. So it's, it becomes like the master, 
And so we might have to manually, and that's not a hard process, but, mm-hmm. and hopefully someday everybody's doing it in structured content. And so it transitions across, but we don't want to deny good content just because it's not in the, the format that we desire. So we'll have a strong need for volunteers to kind of help do that. It's always interesting to unpack the things that are being worked on because um, sometimes it's easy to look at something after it comes out, right, in a, a version that we just launched and think, oh, the feature build, it's its like um, some functionality, some algorithms, and some UI polish. And there's just so, so much that goes into the strategy before it ever gets into to that aspect. I mean, it's really interesting to think through the problems that seem individually like not that big of a thing. and until you put them all together and, and it's just something to work through. And that complexity is not really visible in the end product. Yeah. And you, you start the journey thinking, oh, this will be easy. We just need to move the content up to the cloud and then allow people to bring it back in. And then you start to go through that and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you could do it quick and dirty, but it, it, you would just make a mess and right. long term you wouldn't have. And it's like you said, it all looks easy at the end, but the journey was, Nothing but a bumping your head against every yes. single. And if we look back at the goal and vision behind this feature um, that we're talking about, it's to make that content easily accessible. So there has to be a high adoption rate, right? Mm-hmm. But there's not going to be a high adoption rate if you haven't figured out those little complexities that create barriers to entry for people. Yeah. And it got me to thinking too, again, what, about the goal and getting as many eyeballs on this content as at all possible. And this is probably a whole podcast in of itself, but I mean, I keep reading a lot of books on, you know, church communication and strategies like that, and they're really good and, and, and they're valuable and they have practices that are important that should be implemented. But I think we forget that the most important outreach tool is not Google's SEO algorithm. <laughs> it's literally the tens of thousands and millions of people who are in our church. Like yes. we are the hands and feet. Now that's not to say don't use SEO. Like you could read that what I just said and say, well, SEO is important. Well, of course, yeah, don't not do it. But too often we take away the power of the church, which is the people by thinking that a few people can control you know, these, these little tools, which are good tools, but they're so less powerful than our people. And so if we can get all the best articles, like say you had the best article on preventing divorce, like it was perfect, like, you know, 80% chance of keeping a divorce from not going through, like, wouldn't you want all your people sharing it? Like you, would you rely on SEO as your primary or would you use the hundreds of thousands and millions of people who are in rock churches no, you would use the people. And it goes back to something, you know, when I worked at um, at the church, our senior pastor would say, and it was slightly tongue-in-cheek, he's not this prideful, he would say, hey, just give me a soapbox and I can, I can bring people to Christ. Like, I don't need the technology. Mm. And he didn't mean it that black and white, but he has a, a good point. Like, at the end of the day, it's the people mm-hmm. and, and the technology is the amplifier. Mm-hmm. But if you amplify nothing... <laughs> there still has to be a person behind the microphone. Um, and, you know, imagine if you had a chat bot trying to lead someone to Christ, like, yeah, I'm sure there's a case where that's actually happened, but I don't think that was God's plan is for, to create people who would create chat bots who would lead people to Christ. Like let's empower our people. Like if we empowered our people to do that, 
the results would be mm-hmm. so much better. And so I think, you know, there's a, as technical people, we want to use these tools and forget that we have to go build a relationship with somebody to explain to them that this other tool exists, like to go, but, um, but our people are our best tools. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really good food for thought about not taking a, an individual tool and making it your target, but just making sure that you're using it as your amplifier. Yeah. And I, you know, a lot of times we look in the secular world and they're using these tools, you know why? Cause they don't got the people. That's another great point. We've got the people. Mm-hmm. Like if they had the, the communities that we have, if they had all their or most of their um, customers attending in person a one hour, you know, event rally. Yes. I doubt they would be as like stressed about SEO. The, but the fact that they don't have that is why they have to rely on SEO. But then we come along and like, hey, they're using SEO. We should too. Okay, sure. But realize we've got something that there would be insanely jealous of. You know, imagine if every Apple user showed up for a one hour, you know, community rally every weekend or watched it online. You know, it's like they'd be like, okay, yeah, the SEO is kind of neat, but like we're going to focus on these massive amounts of people. Absolutely. So that's a really interesting look at what's going on and why the content library is getting our attention right now. Mm-hmm. Um, still a lot of work to be done on that front. Yes. And and it isn't fast work. It's it's sometimes a little bit tedious and a lot of things learned and, and uncovered along the way. So we're definitely going on the journey of moving that towards something that should be a really high impact uh, ministry focused feature in the future. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's a big feature. So there's a million daily things that interrupt our time mm-hmm. to focus on that. I'm hoping I was telling myself last night, you've got to spend some hours tomorrow, like focusing on this. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, um, it's frustrating cause you know what you want to work on, but then life, the day happens and there right. fires all over the place. Um, but the other big thing that we are working on too, is just the next gen. Like, mm-hmm. uh, as we said at the conference, um, again, we talked about that, the keynote, um, next gen and, and, um, it's hard because we're, we're we're maintaining a huge project. We're pushing that huge project forward with new features like content library and, and a host of others. Like if you watch the keynote, like in version 14, like how much new stuff. So we're pushing at that thing forward in so many new and innovative ways. And we're basically, in a sense, creating a whole new project of equal size and scale. <laughs> and it's not like the resourcing doubled to no. do that. And it's not like the, and that's a money resourcing and a, and a, um, you know, human number of humans working on this has not doubled. So it's almost like some days you're like, what are we doing? Like, but we kind of have to, you know, we have to make sure that we have a technology platform for the future. And, um, so that's been a heavy lift, um, spending a ton of time adding new features and rewriting a lot of stuff that you know, needs to be done. So, and I think coming out of the conference, you know, it's good to be able to kind of give an update, but you know, the more I, I work in technology, I think there's certain patterns that are hard to, to communicate because they're kind of, they're more nebulous. Um, but you know, when you pick a platform, 
it becomes your platform. Like, and you can't like, so that in a diverse community, like we have, everybody's going to have a preference, right? Like, and you can see that like preferences like iOS or Android, Mac or PC. And in our technical communities, especially that becomes, it stops becoming a preference and it starts becoming a, um, I don't know, like what, what the word is. It's, it becomes like our identity almost, hmm. you know, cause you, I mean, it, you could literally say, I, you know, iOS or Android uh, it, in a technical community, you can, that is part of your identity. Like we start grouping people at least mentally that way and PC or Mac. And then you go down into the programming languages where you PHP, Ruby, uh, .NET, Java, Python, JavaScript. I mean, keep going. It just goes on and on and on. There's hundreds of languages. Um, and I think in my career, I've tried not to get to, like, I love Mac. I was on Mac, 100% Mac for years. And I love PC. I'm currently on PC. But it's like, if I, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for a job. But if I started a new job tomorrow, I don't know if I'd be too concerned what my what, what they handed me. I'd be excited either way and disappointed in either way, you know, because, I mean, honestly, there's some things I don't like about PC and there's some things I don't like about Mac. So like, but whatever they handed me, I'd be like, cool. Is this what everybody else is using? Good. That's what I want. I want, I want to be using a tool where the guy next to me can help me and I can show him a few mm -hmm. things too. Um, and same thing with, with development. We, you know, we've been in a few conversations even lately too, helping the coach churches who have development teams and if they're coming to rock, like, well, how do you do that? And my big thing is like, okay, what the first question you have to ask yourself is, you know, do you have a Python developer or do you have a developer? Because me, again, if I started a, a job tomorrow and hopefully it would be in ministry because that's what is missional importance to me, I don't care what tool they use. Like at the end of the day, is it working for you? Good. Is it, is it in, increasing the ministry? Good. I'll learn it. Like mm -hmm. I've learned, I think 15 languages since I, you know, came out of college and I hope to learn a few more. And, uh, even if they said, well, you know, it's in VB script, I'd be like, Ooh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but is it working for you? Yes. I mean, does it have a pathway to the future? And let's just pretend it did. <laughs> and is it making ministry better? Yep. Okay. Here we go. I mean, there's a lot of products that they wrote their own, like our lava, they used VB script. Well, that might still be a good option for today. But if you have a developer who's rigid and is like, well, no, I only do uh, PHP. Okay, well, now you got a problem because, you know. Yeah, the tool in front of you is not PHP, and so you're not going to be able to lean on that resource to help you in your in your goal. Yeah, and when I was working at uh, when I was um, working in the, the corporate world, and I was volunteering at the church. I remember I, I showed up for the first night and luckily it was a, it was a pivotal night because they were going to start actually doing web, some web stuff. Right. And I'm like, Oh cool. That's what I, that's what I'm good at. There's two of us who could, who could program who showed up that one night and we were saying, okay, well, we need to figure out how we're going to do this programming. Cause we didn't, we we're starting from scratch and I was more Unix. Linux wasn't as big of a deal back then. I was more Unix, open systems, Java, JSP, and he was VB script, ASPD. And so we're like, okay, well, what are we going to use? 
And they pretty much said they were an ASP developer. They were not a developer. They're an ASP developer. So, well, if it's not ASP, then I can't really do anything. I'm not going to be able to help. And I was like, all right. I mean, if that's what's, if it's, if it's, if it's two of us, if we do ASP, then that sounds better than one doing mm -hmm. JSP. So we did that. And I had to learn a lot of VB script. I knew some, but I had to learn a lot of that. And at the end of the day, unfortunately, he didn't write one line of code. Like I, he got, you know how life is like you get, <laughs> yes, your intentions are good. But, you know, at the end of the day, we still won the race. We still got a lot of great stuff done. Um, but it wasn't a preference, mm -hmm. right? And so I think there's a lot of good platforms out there today. But unfortunately, Rock can only be written on one. Right. And so who picks it? Well, like history has picked it. I mean, as even as we go in the next gen, like we're not throwing everything away. Mm -hmm. The back end is still going to be C Sharp, .NET Core, which if you follow it, I mean, it's they're doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. Like they're converting a lot of people and the fat and the speed that, that they're running things is like blowing other technology stacks out of the water. I mean, it still has the same, the, just the biggest problem is it still says Microsoft on the front. And to some people that's like that's horrible. Enough to hate it for some people. Right. And it's the same thing with Microsoft about GitHub is like, oh, GitHub's gone. It's dead. Well, I mean, look, it's, if anything, they've innovative faster with actions and copilot and all these amazing things yeah and, i feel like that just killed tfs more than it killed github right they killed their own legacy product and um and so is it perfect absolutely not are there other great platforms absolutely like but we can't we can't do it all we can't we can't be all things to all people and, and if you if you could sit sometimes in our seat like you might get the um the uh, preached at on mm -hmm. this platform and you're like, Oh cool. And then like literally a day later you'll get preached at from the exact opposite platform. Mm -hmm. And if you could get them all in a room that they would see that, Oh, right. Everything, everybody who preached has good points. Mm -hmm. Like they're really, yep. they're not invalid points. They're good points. Um, but they're all in conflict with each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, you have to pick one. And, right. and there's limitations that we have that no one else has. Right. So if we, Nick and I, we'd say it all the time. If we only had to run this on one server, our lives would be so much easier. If we didn't have to support plugins, if it didn't have yes. to be customizable with, you know, rearrange blocks the way you want. But those are things that there's no way we're not changing. If you didn't have to run in a simple an easy to install hosting platform that 600 churches could all figure out and that we want to make even easier in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it has to be self-hosted. There's, there's quite a few churches still who self-host it for good reason. Like there are benefits to that and they want to be able to self-host yeah. it. Mm -hmm. That pendulum has been swinging back a bit in some cases. Yeah. I mean, I am surprised when people still self-host. There's good reasons to though. Um, and so all of those things, it's kind of like, okay, but you don't realize all the shackles that we have that we, and, and a lot of those are self shackles, right? Like, but we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't shackle ourselves to certain things. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are like, why aren't you using this service? That That's a great service. I love that service, but that's another thing. Someone else has to go provision, figure out. And it's not like possibly purchase. Yeah. yeah. Definitely possibly purchase. And 
to us as technical people, that's not a huge deal. Like, oh, that's not that hard. But to a lot of our community, like that's that is a hard deal. Mm-hmm. And it even if it's not legitimately hard, it's another mental tax that they have to do that their lives are already so I mean, they're many of these people are doing all of the IT. Like mm-hmm. they're worrying about like routers and and like, well, they shouldn't. Well, that's the life they live because they don't have the budgets to have a technology team. And, and then that says nothing about the fact that your pastor does not care. Right. Like, he yes. doesn't care. What, does the button click? Does it work? Can I enter in the data? Can I get data? Like the, the, the conversation we're having is purely a technical, like religious discussion. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that inside like 99.9999% of all rock people who use rock could care less what it's running behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And when I use a product like Asana, I don't know what they're using behind the scene. You know what? I don't really care. Like, I mean, the engineering part of me would be interested in how they do that. Yeah. But as I'm using it, could care less, just a bit better. Like Nick said, that when I push the button, it better do what I wanted. And Right. They care about, does it function? Did my button move? And are there braking changes? <laughs> right. Sometimes I look in the URL, I'll still see ASP. And I'm like, oh, sucks to be them. <laughs> but it's working. So like, I mean, for the longest time, um, Apple still said web objects. I mean, they bought this old technology. Well, at the time it wasn't old, but web objects. And I mean, I, I looked at that. It was like, ooh. But they've been using it. I mean, I don't think they use it anymore, but they used it for decades past when it should have been. But you know what? It worked. You could still order your iPhone. So success. <laughs> now, that's not an excuse. Like, cause we've also <clears throat> in a meeting would be like, well, I'll just, we should just keep web forms for another 10 years. Cause it will run for not, I mean, easy. It'll probably be 10, 20, 30 years that you can run it. But, and we joke. Yeah. Cause, but I, the pastor doesn't care. No. But we do. We, I mean, we don't want to work in that either. I mean, we want to work on new stuff, and and we are like yeah. we the train which has already left the station, right? Uh-huh. Rock version one. Now it's a five hundred long car train. We, we've changed out parts of the engine. We've swapped out one of the rails underneath the train. That was fun. And now we're replacing the box cars. Like it's happening. Yeah, and we're getting benefits. I mean, I was just working on this week. Um, a project where we're use we were doing something in lava and we we're having to iterate over I think like 600 items 600 entities groups and we had to get the attributes off of them and it was like oh it was taking six seconds and it was like that's not gonna work so we had to go do some other stuff to because six seconds six seconds was not good enough but then over the weekend you know I was traveling and so when you're driving you're like hmm that's not good. We, we got to fix that. Like that has to be fixed. And so I came back and in a quick meeting we had, you know, wait, didn't we just, we in next gen, we fixed this for the grid, right? We talked about that at the conference. If you're at the conference, well, you know, we need to use it here too. And, and with like, I think it was like five lines of code that we changed. It now runs, um, like in less than a second, a lot less than a second. So, Split second. <laughs> so now we're getting the benefits already of that work. Um, but it was, but that was actually not even a technology change. That was a a methodology. 
methodology change that how we, how we approach that. So we already we're already getting the benefits, and that's exciting. But I do think in terms of what you know why we talking about today is like the mindset that goes mm-hmm. into like technology and patterns and and um you know sometimes it'd be great to have more people try to understand the why and and what and the what is there today and then recommend us you know some stuff that's inside the 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 wheelhouse of the of the stack that we're on because that would be more helpful mm-hmm. than the point at a stack that's like literally not something we can just we can't pivot like that right and no no project really could it's right. like going to facebook and saying okay um <clears throat> php is not the answer like you need to switch to ruby <laughs> or or rust or and i'm sure there's good reasons like but it's not going to be too successful to of a of a of a ask to go to facebook and say switch to your point about learning what's available, I was having a conversation with someone and it turned out they just didn't realize we have something called these content components that can swap out the, um, I, I said that right, right? Is that the right term for our tech where you can swap out the, the how you want to look? You, oh. Use a different yeah. template. Yeah. And yeah. your content's still the content. You write your content once, but you can change out to different templates. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff in rock that is not well used and content components are well used by some like uh, people who know them actually like really overuse them sometimes because there's they are pretty cool like but yeah but in, in that one case though it was the thing that person was trying to like can't you guys do it the way that other system does it because this is and they start describing what the other system does i'm like oh that's rocks content components it does exactly that mm-hmm like the thing I do, I love reading manuals. Like if I'm looking at a new product or something, I like literally want to read the manuals. I want to see what's in this Lego kit and know all the Legos. And, you know, I always recommend read the manuals. And when you're done reading the manuals, read them again. Cause the second time, like you start to see other insights to it. Definitely. Well, that's definitely an interesting topic for a lot of reasons. The just retaining the mental flexibility to take new things in and think about them from innovative angles is always a benefit. Um, I think the longer any of us are in a career, we become a little bit more fixed in what we're doing unless we're actively pushing against that. And that requires taking in a lot of information at a lot of times and talking to people that have experience in different areas. And, and there's a huge value to us as people to do that. There's a huge value to our organizations uh, if we do that. And then, um, of course, our team's requirements that we have are just very, they're very challenging. And we're providing a tool that works for people that have a full range of technical skills and experiences, and um, and we need to be able to serve and accommodate them kind of across the board. So there's a lot going on. But when you mention we our next-gen technology and what we're currently our 1.0 tech we're doing both of these at the same time. Mm-hmm. We didn't double our funding. We didn't double our team resources. We still have the same number of like human hours available. Um, we haven't figured out cloning technology yet. Uh, that's not working so well for us. Um, so it is critical. We're, our team is doing everything we can uh, with all of the, the margin and the resourcing that um, God's provided us. Uh, but your input in the community is critical to this as well. 
So we're rounding the corner on the fiscal year for many churches um, or the budget season. Um, consider how you can help spark in these ways. We have a lot of formulas and iterations and talking about, you know, the appropriate way to fund what's happening here, how we support and maintain current um, technologies, how we're moving to the future. But the bottom line is we're always funded below uh, the effort and innovation that we're putting in. So anything that you can do above that amount, if you have a little extra budget room, or if you're able to increase your budget a little bit next year, your ministry dollars focused at Spark are going further than they can in many other areas. Um, And I hope that if you were able to attend the conference, or if not, you've been able to go watch the free keynote video, you can see that the quantity of what this team is committed to putting out and the quality are... um, they're really kind of mind-blowing when you stop and start putting human hours to it. That's how we know God's involved. Um, But we also have to have certain amounts of funding just to make that uh, possible at a base level. So consider increasing your donation to Spark. Um, Consider looking at your budget and finding those little dollars that are left in little budget categories uh, at the end of the year and making a donation. That makes a huge difference in pushing forward some of the things that we're looking to do and, and the fact that we really do need to be able to hire additional resources. Also, don't forget to budget for next year's conference because we'll be sharing more about where we've taken the product and where you as a community have been able to contribute incredible, um, you know, insights and, and time to help volunteer work that you do. We're going to be at a totally different level this time next year. And it's going to be, you know, in combination of what you're doing in the community, what our team's able to do, what our sponsors and partners are able to help uh, fund and, We want you to be a part of it. So go book your conference tickets um, because you don't want to miss out on that. And that's another great way to don't let it get down to the last minute. And then you have to find out where to scrape those dollars from. Do it now. um, Do it early and do it at the lowest ticket price. Thank you so much for all your support, for joining us in our conversations here on the podcast and walking along this incredible journey that is Rock RMS with our team. We appreciate this community in ways that we would have a hard time clearly expressing on a regular basis. And just know you're valued, you're appreciated, and we appreciate you joining us today. We will talk with you next time. Have a great day. This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. Connect with them today at rockrms.com/sponsors. <laughs>